Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. We've asked you to send us topics that you'd want to hear us cover on this show. And today, we're doing just that. Wyatt in North Park recently had a suggestion for us. I think it'd be really interesting to hear more about Chicago's Better Buses uh, plan that was just released about a month ago or so. Uh, I went to a community meeting to talk about the, the buses plan. And when questioned on why we can't get bus rapid transit in the city, creating a, a true alternative, essentially it sounded like it comes down to political will. So I think it'd be interesting to explore what that political will is and uh, how do we get there. That plan that Wyatt's talking about there, it's called Better Streets for Better Buses. It's the city's proposal to improve bus service and access across Chicago. So how would it work? I sat down with Jennifer Henry, the CTA's Director of Strategic Planning, to find out. And I started by asking her why the plan starts by emphasizing why buses matter in the city. They're affordable, they're accessible, and they're everywhere. Um, Meaning that uh, our rail system, while, while great, is not all over the city. There are big swaths of the city that do not have rail service. Our bus, our bus service goes to every corner of the city. Um, and what that means, the, the combination of those three things, right, nothing else really hits in quite that way. No other mode of transportation hits. What that means is that they're useful to many people of all incomes, um, but they're particularly vital to people who uh, might have a disability, who have less money, um, or who live in those parts of the city that don't have rail service. Um, so they're particularly critical for those groups. Mm-hmm. Our most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Last year, the CTA said crime was down and that service is more reliable than in years past. Uh, but we did a WBEZ survey and we found that riders felt their experience was actually about the same or worse than before. So how does the CTA actually gather public opinion about how well the buses and trains are serving them? Sure. So we do do regular customer surveys and we do that in a, in a, in a fairly scientific method um, you know, to, to sample well. And we do, we have seen improvement via those surveys. As part of the Better Streets for Buses plan, we did a big public outreach specifically about buses and how to make them better, specifically using these infrastructure tools, right? Um, so the streets, sidewalks, and signals systems that can impact the bus riding experience for better or worse. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those tools do impact reliability and speed. They don't impact frequency, right? That's a that's a matter of our schedules and how many buses we can put out. Um, but in terms of keeping the buses moving smoothly on schedule, a lot of these infrastructure tools can help. What are the big highlights of what you were hearing? Uh, well, the, we heard during the public outreach a lot of support for this type of infrastructure, right? Um, people want their buses to be faster and more reliable. That's not really a surprise, right? But I think also uh, because we had a lot of bus rider participation, there's this sort of aspect of uh, wanting to feel like 
taking the bus is the right choice, right? That it's a choice that the city values because of its sustainability, because of its benefits to congestion and equity. And so having infrastructure that helps prioritize the bus and make it work better in the same way that bike lanes make you sort of feel like, oh, the city wants me to take a, ride my bike, right, mm -hmm. uh, was an important theme. You touched on, on frequency there, Jennifer. How reliable would you say the CTA has been in, say, the past five years when it comes to frequency and, and timeliness? Sure. It's an unprecedented five years, obviously, and we've had our ups and downs. Um, there's We have some dashboards on our, on our website that speak to our service reliability as a component of all the different aspects of service delivery. Uh, the Better Streets for Buses plan really co concentrates on the things that can keep the buses moving once they're out on the street and in traffic. So there's uh, a toolbox of street treatments um, that include things like uh, bump outs so that a bus, even if you don't have a bus lane, right, you can still keep a bus moving more um, more smoothly by letting it uh, pull up to the stop and not pull away or and not have to pull into traffic, into moving traffic, right? You mm -hmm. can keep them moving. Bus lanes obviously are the tool that keep a bus most protected from traffic congestion. So that can help with both speed and reliability. Um, there are other components of reliability, right? Um, there's how many buses we have, how many operators we have right now. The Better Streets for Buses plan is focused on the, the um, the overlap between the Chicago Department of Transportation infrastructure and and CTA buses, and, mm -hmm. and we work together with them on it. So you talk there about some improvements uh, that the CTA has accomplished in this time, as you said, an unprecedented five-year period. What would you say there's still room to improve on? Um, I mean, there's there's room to improve in a, a number of ways, of course, but uh, but I think this these. The Better Streets for Buses plan infrastructure tools, there's a lot of room for that, right? A lot of cities have actually implemented more of it than Chicago. So we are we have a lot of room. We have a lot of we have 130 bus routes, right? We don't have to do, we don't have to put these on every single one. And the and the Better Streets for Buses sort of highlights 17 corridors to focus on um, and to try to implement as much of this infrastructure as we can on them. Where are those corridors roughly? They are all over the city. Um, and if you look up the Better Streets for Buses plan at betterstreetsforbuses.com, you can see the network map. Um, so, uh, you know, a couple of them near near here, Chicago Avenue is one of them, um, and, uh, it, and Lakeshore Drive is also a corridor. We, mm -hmm. have, we carry a lot of people on Lakeshore Drive, um, but there's Ashland Western, 79th, 63rd. There's a number of uh, corridors all over South the and city. West Sides. Southwest covers the whole city pretty evenly. That was one of our goals. That main public engagement period for this plan, it was from April to June of 2022, how much would you say the ridership experience has changed since then? I mean, I think if, speaking for myself as a rider, as a regular rider, I you know it feels much more normal. Uh, you you see more riders on board. Um, the the service reliability is getting better. We we took a bus over here. We took the 124 over to your studio, and it bus tracker was accurate, and the bus came, and and it was a pretty smooth trip. We used Loop Link, which has bus lanes on Washington and Madison Avenue to get here. So, okay. um, so there so not saying there's not room for improvement, right? But I think um, that the experience has changed over the last five years in terms of our overall reliability. So you talked about how the plan outlines sort of two different components, uh, the bus network and street treatment. Give us a bit more detail, Jennifer, on, on what they are and, and how this plan intends for them to be, uh, to complement each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so the, the, net, the, the basic concept is let's pick, let's pick a few key corridors mm -hmm. um, and really focus on them and how we can best implement this infrastructure. So it would be too much to take on doing a plan for the whole city, you know, 
to do detailed design on every single corridor, right? Um, so this is the framework plan, and then we'll be working with CDOT to develop uh, more detailed plans. And you might see a particular corridor that has some bus lanes on one stretch where it's particularly congested and some other treatments that are sort of less robust on, on other parts of it. Um, so uh, I'm curious your definition of a bus-friendly street. Sure. How would you define that? Uh, yeah, bus-friendly streets, the, so the toolbox has three different categories in it, uh, bus-friendly streets, uh, bus-friendly intersections, and, uh, um, and then bus stop improvements. So the bus-friendly street category of tools um, are really focused on getting, keeping the bus moving quickly and reliably. So as I mentioned, bus lanes, I also mentioned bump outs. Another good example is boarding islands, and those are the, that's a treatment that's used specifically with bike lanes. So instead of having bikes and buses competing for exactly the same stop when the bus is pulling over to the stop. Um, you have a boarding island that, that the bus riders can travel to mm -hmm. and the bus and the bike lane travels behind it. Um, so that makes it easier and more organized for all users, right? Instead of all trying to mix together in the same same area. So essentially, you're, what I'm hearing you say is this, this would mean streets will be more bike friendly as well. That, I mean, all of the tools are aimed at sort of organizing the space better, right? So not every single tool in the toolbox has a direct bike connection. The boarding island is one of them that does. Um, we, you can see examples of those on Milwaukee Avenue and as well if the, the Loop Link project, which is the one downtown on Washington and Madison streets primarily, mm -hmm. um, there are platforms that are essentially big boarding islands, right? Because the bike lane runs behind it on Washington Street and then uh, riders are able to sort of separate themselves. The bikes keep moving. Um, and the buses just pull up and pick up, pick up the people. Your plan includes, uh, it gives a MOBEC or Mobility and Economic Hardship Index score. Um, you're giving that to different corridors around Chicago, the ones that are heavily traveled. Expand on what that is, Jennifer, and how sure. the plan uses that score. What sure. does that all mean? Yeah, uh, so MOBEC is an index that was developed by the Chicago Department I was guessing of on that uh, acronym. No, you were right. Okay. Good, good job. <laughs> um, and uh, it combines a variety of factors, and some of them are mobility hardships, so long commute times, less frequent transit service access, um, things like that. And then... Um, Fewer divvy stations, right? There are parts of the city that have more or less of all of those things. And then economic hardship, which are sort of the more traditional, you know, hardship index factors, right? Uh, lower income, um, things like that. And so less access to jobs. So you put those together and you get this map of the city that shows how some areas of the city have uh, greater mobility hardship and greater economic hardship. Mm -hmm. They tend to correlate sometimes. So you can imagine the map, what the map looks like. Uh, parts of the south and west side have greater mobility hardship and greater economic hardship, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we, the way we used it was um, just as we were selecting the corridors, which we did on a variety of factors, including ridership, service frequency, uh, what we heard during the public comment period, obviously. Uh, but we did want to make sure that we were balanced and that we were focused on those areas that had the, the greater hardships. Um, so we will similarly be using it as we work towards implementation to pick our priority projects. And, and when you take a look at this plan, I mean, as the director of strategic planning, what do you see that's not in there that you think transportation advocates are looking for? It's a great question. Uh, I think I think transportation advocates, the the and specifically folks who are really excited about bus rapid transit, bus lanes. I think what they're really looking for is more hard commitments for implementation. Right, that's what they would be looking for out of this plan. That's not there. Um, yeah, and I it's understand been called that. vague. Right, and I and I understand that. Um, it is. It was always intended to be a framework plan. 
um, and the devil will be in the details of implementation, right? So we'll be working hard with CDOT to, to do that. And as the call that you referenced, that you played at the beginning, right? Political will is a factor, right? Because we are talking about changes to design in our streets. We are talking about repurposing space. And that's why it is important to do it in a more detailed design process where you actually do talk to communities, what their priorities are, talk them through what the options are, um, instead of just, you know, implementing a, a citywide plan top down. I see. Does the plan say anything about safety on public transit? It, safety is a, always a priority for all riders, both safety from traffic crashes as well as crime, et cetera, right? So it, it does talk about it as a, as a important value and, and a thing, but the most of the infrastructure to the degree that it applies to safety, it's more of the traffic crashes. So there's uh, tools in the toolbox about making sure that uh, bus stop areas are accessible with safe crosswalks, et cetera. Like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the plan talks about bus priority in downtown. How would that be different than what riders are seeing right now? Um, well, right now there are a couple of key corridors that do have bus lanes. Um, there's some on Chicago Avenue. There's some on Washington and Madison. There's some on Dearborn. Um, so it could look like some more of that. There are other streets in Chicago that are heavily used by buses and bus riders that yeah. could get more of that. Um, or it could it could look like more of some of these other treatments, um, signal prioritization or improved stop areas. So with all these proposed changes, I have to ask, should riders expect fare increases in the next few years? Uh, the, there's nothing in this plan about fare increases. We would not expect to change fares because of uh, changes in our bus priority infrastructure. Um, we know how important it is, as I referenced at the beginning, to keep public transit affordable. Um, and so we'll be doing everything we can to keep our service improving and our fares stable. We'll leave it there. Jennifer Henry is the CTA's Director of Strategic Planning. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much for showing you. some love to the bus. Getting around Chicago on public transit can be a breeze. Well, when it works, or unless you're on the city's south or west sides, where transit isn't as robust or as dependable. Earlier, we heard from a CTA spokesperson about the department's plan to expand the CTA's reach, shorten wait times, and make rides more accessible. But not all transit advocates are totally sold on this plan. So I talked with Kyle Lucas, who's co-founder of Better Streets Chicago, and Julia Garasimenko, who's an advocacy manager for the Active Transportation Alliance. I first asked them what their experience riding the CTA is like. Here's Julia. With the winter weather, it's been long waits still and um, sometimes unreliable, but when it works, it's just the most joyful, easy, relaxing way to get around. Yeah. Um, so it varies. Where could it be better for you? I think um, in terms of knowing when the bus is actually going to arrive, I mostly take the bus. Um, that that type of transparent communication uh, is really key for the rider experience. Mm -hmm. Kyle? I love public transportation. It's the reason I moved to Chicago, because I wanted to live in a city where I didn't have to depend on a car all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I love the CTA, and it breaks my heart to see the condition that CTA is in right now. Uh, CT had a really rough weekend, especially. Now, it's very understandable. A lot of equipment breaks down when it gets really cold. That is totally understandable. Uh, the problem breaks down when there's no clear communication to their ridership or even to their um, to their own employees. You know, I had a situation this weekend where I got to a Brown Line station and a station attendant wasn't even aware that the CTA's website said there were supposed to be shuttle buses. Mm -hmm. So they were telling people there was no shuttle buses for an alternative when the Brown Line was down. 
Um, that's a really big problem, especially on a day where temperatures were so incredibly Did dangerous. Did that cause confusion among riders? Yeah, I heard from a lot of riders who were standing on platforms waiting, wondering if a train was going to come and it never was going to come. So it's a, you know, the CT has a lot of problems to deal with, um, but I remain hopeful because we have to, because we have to have the CTA. How do you think that they've addressed some of these issues that Kyle is bringing up and that you mentioned, Julia, in the past year or so? Yeah, I think that uh, they've been doing a decent job trying to be transparent with their data. Um, they've been releasing their uh, meeting the moment uh, report cards, dashboards online, um, but that's not really accessible for the daily rider, right? Like, or it is accessible, but they're not seeking out that information in um that's so kind of overly detailed and technical, right? Uh, so I think it's more about the on the platform communications to Kyle's point, like the rider meeting you at the station mm -hmm. or at the bus stop. Um, yeah. You were listening to my conversation to, you both were, to, to Jennifer Henry from the CTA. Initial thoughts, Kyle, on, on some of the responses. You know, I think that the Better Streets for Buses plan is a great start. And it's something that we've been asking as advocates from CTA for years to really develop a comprehensive plan for improving bus infrastructure in our city. Um, you know, what's really interesting about this plan is that it is not reinventing the wheel. It's not charting like a new path that nobody's done before. Um, and I think that, that, you know, it was alluded to, like there are other cities who are doing this already and mm -hmm. have done it with success in our region, in our country, and across the world. And so, I, you know, I think that Chicagoans deserve to have that quality 21st century bus infrastructure as well. Mm -hmm. There's some good ideas in there. I mean, do, do you think the Better Streets for Better Buses plan gets to the heart of some of the concerns we just talked about, Julia? I do. I do. I think, though, uh, it's all about the implementation, right? We need the leadership of not just the Chicago Transportation Authority, the Chicago Department of Transportation, but also the mayor's office. We really need Mayor Johnson to make 2024 the year of the bus. Yeah. So give me some specifics that you like about the plan. I'd love to hear from both of you. Kyle, you can go first. Yeah, it has a lot of the great things that we want to see. You know, it has things like bus bulbs. It has a signal priority that, you know, allows buses to pass through signals with um, greater speed. Uh, dedicated bus lanes where buses aren't, you know, competing with cars in traffic. That really, uh, all those things together really adds up to quality transit. So, you know, I really like that we have a lot of these tools in the toolbox that have been identified. The critical thing is ensuring they all come together and aren't just piecemeal because yeah. together is where we really see that follow through. Anything you can add, Julia, as far as what you liked that you saw in there? Yeah, to, to Kyle's point and to Jen's earlier point, it's a true uh, citywide network that they're proposing, right? And so when you look at the way the rail system was built, it's kind of a hub and spoke model meant to get people from far-flung kind of outer parts of the city into the downtown business district. And instead, day-to-day, -day, most people are going from neighborhood to neighborhood. They're not necessarily going downtown. And so this kind of bus rapid transit network really creates a way to get around the city um, for someone who relies on the bus in a really efficient way. Mm -hmm. you, well, you talked about implementation a moment ago being the number one thing that you're looking to see happen here. Uh, but any other details that you, you think you wanted to see more of when you looked at the plan? Uh, really just commitment and outlaying what their actual intentions are. Uh, you know, at this point, none of those have been made. They identified a bunch of corridors in their plan, but those were corridors that we already knew were the busiest lines in the city of Chicago. 
what we really need from them is to identify the areas where they're going to start work and are going to actually start to implement these because until they do that you know it's all just words on a page on a piece of paper in a pdf on their website we need actual rollout in the streets of chicago so that's what we really want to see is that commitment kyle how well do you think the the plan addresses how the city is going to grow in the next 10 years or so that's a great question. I don't know if there is a lot of acknowledgement in that. I, I think broadly, you know, both in this plan, but also I think I think it's a big issue in how people are, uh, how the city is approaching planning generally. Whether that's uh, the you know Department of Planning, CTA, CDOT, and um, we need them all to collaborate a lot more on actually preparing for that. I want to look at uh, something I mentioned when I was talking to Jennifer as well. I mean, how the pandemic has changed how we get around. Ridership still hasn't returned to pre-pandemic levels, have they, Julia? No, they haven't. But at the same time, I will say throughout peak uh, stay-at-home order, uh, this prior to the pandemic and now bus ridership remains slightly more than rail ridership. And I don't think people appreciate just how um, dependent people are on the bus. And it's also the most cost effective way to really improve uh, the transit riding experience for the majority of riders. Mm. Do you think that that's sort of the main reason why the bus ridership has gone up compared to rail, as you mentioned? I do think so. Yeah. The cost. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, Kyle? Because, yeah, I mean, night and day, I guess, between you know how ridership looked in 2020 2021 yeah. to, to now absolutely well yeah our all of our travel patterns changed right so many more people are working from That's home right. instead of going into the office and so that really changed a lot of how people get around a good bit have returned around some have um but you still have a lot at, at home a lot working you know, remotely you know some mix of that mm -hmm. and so a lot more trips are between different destinations than they used to be. And so I think that's part of where our bus network is really critical in ensuring that we are actually serving people and that they don't have, you know, turn to uh, just driving because the more that people drive in the city of Chicago, the worse it is for everyone, including other drivers. Uh, we need people taking public transit mm -hmm. and when they do that, it's better for everyone. So yeah, yeah those, those trips need to be accounted for. And to that end, since the pandemic, riders are no longer clustering as much around those traditional rush hours, mm -hmm. it seems. That's right. W what changes does public transit need to make to accommodate additional people traveling kind of throughout the day, you think? We need more frequency more often throughout the day. Um, you know, this is something that Metra has really acknowledged and what they're doing um, in terms of how they're planning to approach their yeah. rail model going forward. Um, so that's really exciting. So, you know, we are hopeful that CTA will follow in their lead and start to, do, you know, pay attention to that as well and focus on frequency all day long. Julie, what about a more regional plan? Like, what would you like to see different uh you know, as far as the public transit agencies throughout the city and the suburbs and coordination mm -hmm. between them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think that there is a great example in the Pace Pulse projects and uh, the CTA Better Streets for Buses plan. So the Pace Pulse projects also focus on creating bus priority infrastructure on key Pace bus routes. Um, and one of the routes they're working on actively now is 95th Street. And that's also a key corridor identified in Better Streets for Buses. Mm -hmm. So that kind of interagency collaboration, they have the same goals, right? They're working with sometimes even the same streets. Um, so how can we really maximize those resources um, and create a region where um, everyone can get around and have access to jobs, uh, grocery stores, um, 
education, et cetera. Yeah. Your thoughts, Kyle, on a more regional plan? Last week on the program, we, we talked about the bold plan that's being floated around, combining the various transit agencies, right? The CTA, Metra, and PACE into one. Good yeah. idea? Bad idea? You know, there's a lot of different ways we could approach it. I think what's really clear is that we do need some form of governance reform. And that's, you know, what we're pushing for is for us to re uh, change our approach to actually governing how um, transit is run in the region. Um, you know, very much so we need more collaboration between the three agencies. They shouldn't be in competition with each other. They should be in collaboration and complementary to, to each other. And uh, it's critical that we create that regional approach. You know, everybody, no matter where in the region they live, deserves mm -hmm. fast, frequent, and reliable public transportation. Yeah. You talked earlier about having moved here to this city because of this very fact, right? It's a place where you have public transit that you can... Uh, rely on. How, how would you say Chicago compares to, to some other places? Have you ridden public transit elsewhere before? I Yeah, absolutely. Now that I've lived here, I've traveled to other places mm -hmm. and tried out their transportation networks. There's a lot of people doing really exciting things with their public transportation that I think Chicago can learn from. Like what? Uh, Julia and I earlier were just talking about trips that we took to L.A. and I got to use their public transportation system. You don't think of L.A. as a transit city. Really? You is think it, of it, is as it a better? I was, I was there in 2017. Well, I was there last year and I didn't use public transit, but in 2017, I remember using it and I was not impressed. I wouldn't say it's necessarily better than Chicago but I was pleasantly surprised I could get places that I wanted. They were doing really interesting things with their buses, testing out fare-free bus uh, boarding. Okay. Um, and I, I was able to get places I needed to go. It was reliable. Uh, the buses showed up when they said they were going to, mm -hmm. and that was exciting. And as far as uh, bus lanes go, L.A. has, I think, three to four times the number of miles that we do. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's one I never thought that you would uh, you would mention. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we started off this this segment because a listener named Wyatt said that uh, they wanted to hear more about this better streets for better buses plan. They had a couple more questions in that voicemail that they left us about how to improve uh, Chicago's transit, including this one. How can the city of Chicago actually provide just one street or two back to its citizens um, to have a car free space? and a space that you can traverse easily that's not on a train. I'm seeing head nods here in the studio. What does that message make you think of, Julia? Yeah, it makes me think of comprehensive planning and kind of interagency collaboration. So many times um, our Department of Transportation kind of is isolating its planning, right? We have the cy uh, cycling streets, uh, streets for cycling plan. We have the better streets for buses plan. Well, what about a comprehensive plan for people to get around in modes other than cars for the city, right? Mm. Um, and it's going to take, there are going to be trade-offs when it comes to implementing a true network of protected bike lanes, a true network of bus priority lanes in our city. Um, and so it's going to take that type of interagency collaboration um, and some compromise from everyone involved. You're a proud transit rider. Yes. <laughs> I've never owned a car, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Kyle, what are you thinking? Yeah, Is Julian, Wyatt on the money there in his message? We have over 4,000 miles of streets in Chicago. I think we can dedicate a few miles of that to just people rather than cars. I think that's like totally reasonable. And there are so many places in the world that people flock to because they have vibrant plazas. They have pedestrian streets in shopping districts. And people come back and they're like, oh, that's amazing. I wish I could live there. Well, mm -hmm. what if we just did that here? Yeah. 
I, I think it's a great idea and it's totally plausible. And in term, terms of Mayor Johnson's uh, stated goals in terms of climate change mitigation, um, equity, job access, uh, by investing in transit, you're really getting at a lot of these other goals. So uh, it's just the most equitable kind of bang for your buck way to uh, invest in our city and Chicagoans. We've been chatting with Julia Garrisomenko, who's the advocacy manager for the Active Transportation Alliance, and Kyle Lucas, who's the co-founder of Better Streets Chicago. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. So happy to be here. That episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Andrea Guthman and Brenda Ruiz, who also edited the episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a rating and review. It really helps people like you find us. That's it for Reset. We'll talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.